your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, preaching on giving, having a giving heart. Talking about on top of you guys. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Just one verse. The Bible says, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. I think if there's one verse that just kind of grabs everything you can think of about giving, it would be this verse here. You may have another verse, but I thought about how we give and why we give, and it just seemed like it grabbed everything that I wanted to say tonight about giving. And obviously, you see, we're going to look at the widow woman for just a bit, dropping her two mites in uh, to the treasury, and that that really uh, impressed Jesus Christ. So apparently it's not how much you give, it's your heart when you give that impresses God. So, what is giving? It's just uh, passing on something to another person. It's just delivering from one person to another uh, to to make up someone's supply that they need. That's That's giving. You know, I'm talking about when when there's a need uh, that you understand and you see the extent of that need in someone's life, uh, you're moved or you're tugged in your heart. So it pulls on your heartstrings to uh, to meet that need. So really, it's a decision of the heart. How you give and how much you give and why you give, it's a decision of the heart. There's also regular purposeful giving. You've purposed in your heart. You've made a... It's thought out. Uh, like giving uh, your tithes and your offerings and... We don't want to reluctantly put our euros in the box. We want to do it cheerfully. And God loveth a cheerful giver. So it's something that, even though it's thought out, um, it's not done unwillingly. It's prepared. It's a prepared offering. Giving our tithes and offerings. But giving is uh, uh, not out of necessity. You don't have to be pushed. You shouldn't have to be urged to the point you're under some kind of distress to have to put your tithe into the box. You know, there's... There's like sweat beads coming down your face because you have to go over and give up some of your euros. Uh, that's not the way God wants us to give. He says cheerfully, willingly, joyfully uh, give to God. Uh, he loves cheerful givers. I mean, that's, that's an interesting verse to find out what does God love? Well, He loves when we give with a cheerful heart, a happy heart, a glad heart. Uh, you've heard the saying that there's, there's uh, givers and there's takers. And there are. Uh, there are takers who think they're owed something, too. They think um, they just deserve something. Uh, maybe we could call them professional takers. You know, they just want. And they just take. And they're like thieves. They just take what's not there sometimes. But they're takers. It's all about them, you see. <clears throat> and if you ask them to give, they would think, me, give? I'm not going to give. No way. I don't give. I take. Another way to look at it is there are givers and there's getters. That's a little bit different. There was a time was when I was more of a getter, I think, than a giver. And I guess there's nothing to matter with being a getter as long as you can be a giver too. Because we do get things from people. People bless us and give to us. And, and we get to give to them. And uh, time was maybe when you were a getter just like me and just means someone gave you something that you had a need for. And you became the getter. And they were the giver. But sometimes you're the giver and they're the getter. So that's not so bad, you see. But um, now, you may be more of a giver. You just love 
giving to people. I know I live with one. <laughs> I live I live with one 24-7. She just wants to give. All she tells me about is what she's going to be doing and helping and giving to somebody. And I just, it makes me feel this big because I don't know that I have that heart. I want that heart. It's not that I don't give, but I just feel like that's a special place. It's a blessing to be that kind of a person. Now, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 20. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 20 says, But ye have not so learned Christ. This is for the saved person. You've not... You've not learned this about Christ. If so be that ye have heard of Him, ye have heard of Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Christ, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is a corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor." For we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. You know, as Christians, there's a drastic change that's come into our lives. It's called salvation. We've been completely changed. When you became a born-again Christian, you got a new heart. And you might have gone from a, from a getter and a taker to a giver, you see. Why? Because you've been saved. It's, it's part of our sanctification. God sets us apart from the world to be givers. And uh, we have the opportunity to, to give the Gospel out in these track of days. And there's a lot that we have to give to this fallen world. But our text tells us to put off that old man. Put off that old heart that, that wanted to take all the time and didn't have that giving attitude or that giving heart. You can go from a taker uh, to a giver. You see, it says we're supposed to work and we labor to give. Not just our taxes, but giving to help people who may be needy and, and uh, we, can, we can meet that need and giving to our local church. You see there in verse 28, it says, Let him that stole steal no more. Let him not be a taker anymore. But rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good that he, he now has, has to give to him that needeth. You go from a taker to a giver. Why? Because I'm putting on the new man. I've been saved. And I'm living differently than the way I used to live. The old man does not like giving. You still have an old nature in you that is stubborn and does not want you to give up off your euros by putting it into the box or by giving something to someone or giving your time to the Lord. The old man doesn't like that. And... Uh, <clears throat> for the most part, sometimes he rears his ugly head in our life when we don't like it. But the old man, when he does give, I'm talking about your old sin nature, when he does have to let off up to something, it's very calculated. You see, it's very measured. It's grudgingly. And um, usually it's self-motivating. There's some reason that they're giving to get something back. That's not the reason we're supposed to give. And uh, that's a carnal giver. Turn over to Second Peter. Chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1. 
figured this was the time of the year we're supposed to be giving, so I thought I'd preach this. It's already been preached once in the last couple of weeks. I thought I'd preach it again here. Second Peter chapter one and verse three says, According as he hath divine as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You know, we have the nature of God living in us. We have a new nature inside of us. The Lord has changed us, brought us back our spirits of life. We've been born again, and uh, that spirit is not a grudging spirit. That is a, it's a giving spirit. Why? Because it's Jesus' spirit. It's, it's a divine. We're partakers of the divine uh, divine nature. It's Jesus' nature. And Jesus is not greedy. He's not a lover of money. And that, that, that uh, spirit is in us. You know, I, I remember a, a TV show a long time ago, uh, but the uh, guys in the show was an animal show. I loved animal shows. And it was about uh, these guys who were photographing these chimpanzees. And um, the chimpanzees were spending a lot of time around this huge um, termite mound. They love them termites, you know. They get them, pick them, and eat them. Huh? You know, right? Anyway, that's where the chimpanzees were. They wanted to catch one. They wanted to try to catch one. Well, they did try catching them with those spring-loaded traps that shoots the net over the monkey, but that, that didn't work, you know. They scooted out from under it. So they came up with the idea of making a hole in the termite mound, which is like concrete, by the way. You can't claw these things open hardly. And uh, the hole was just big enough they could kind of slip their hand in. And they put some jelly beans around, and the, and the monkeys came and they ate those jelly beans. And man, they were getting sucked in to get onto that termite mound. And these guys made that hole just big enough so they could get their hand in there. And they put some jelly beans inside. Well, them monkeys are curious, those chimps are curious, and they came, and they, and uh, they, first they looked around, they were very wary, but then one went over there and just barely got his hand in there, and all them jelly beans, and he grabbed a hold of it. Well, the only problem was, he wouldn't let go. And they came and threw a net over him, and the whole time he's like, wee, wee, you know how, the, how a chimp is, screaming and twisting himself around in the hole, but he couldn't get away. You know why? Because he wouldn't let go. He had them jelly beans, and now he couldn't get his hand back out of the hole. And they caught him very easily. Why? Because he wouldn't let go. He was trapped. You know, some of us are trapped. It's like we have fish hooks on our pocket. It's like, it's like this thing hasn't been converted yet. We hold on to our money, and it's trapped us, and we become, you know, grudgingly giving. When we don't have to be that way. We don't have to be like that monkey. You see, if he'd have just let go, he'd have got away. He'd have been free. And many of us are still trapped that we can't give. We haven't learned how to give yet. You will never outgive God. You'll never give more than God will give you back. And, and that's not even the reason to give. It's just because God said, Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. You know, we've been given this new nature. We talk different. We act different. We live different. I mean, we walk different, think different. Because we are different, and we should be different in our giving. Now, we've been saved to be used of God. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. 
If you haven't been, be, been becoming a giver, I'd say give it a whirl. Keep, keep trying. Just keep giving. And watch, watch God bless your life. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, we all know verses 8 and 9. They're very familiar. We've probably all memorized them. And then verse 10 says, you know, God saves us, and it's not of works, lest any man should boast. For, here's the reason, we are His workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. See, we're the work of God. We're His masterpiece. He's made us into something that He wants to use and that He can pour His Spirit into. And uh, we're talking about a life of good works. That's what Jesus has saved us for. Good works make Him look good. But first, in order to do that, you have to give yourself to God. You must give yourself away. You have to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know that you put a very high value on your life. So you're giving something very precious. I guarantee you, you'll never go wrong giving your life, young people, to Jesus Christ and letting Him do His will in your life. But we, He made us to be a channel of blessing. You know, did you, did you ever figure how you get the, the water from the reservoir over to the people that need it? A pipe. Very simple, isn't it? Or some kind of a channel. Some way to get the water from the reservoir over to where it's needed. Right? Uh, that's what we're to be. A canal. A channel. A blessing. A pipe that takes the water from the reservoir and delivers it to people who need it, you see. God never wonders how to do something. He wants us to be the canal, the pipe, the channel, and He'll be the reservoir. You don't have to worry about having all the riches in the world. God has them. And when he gives, he doesn't give, he gives according to his riches and glory. He doesn't give out of his riches and glory. He doesn't have less after he gives to us. God is the reservoir, not us. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm telling you, sometimes it's, it's, it's not easy to learn, but once you learn it, and then you start experiencing it and actually doing it, you will see something happen in your life. You'll learn how to be a giver. Still learning. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality, giving. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift, take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. You know, God just may want to bless somebody else and use your life to do it. And, uh, and if you give yourself to Him, He'll direct you right where He needs you. He knows where to put the pipe work in to get his riches into someone else's life that needs it. I'll tell you, you know, the more you think about it, sometimes you wonder how many times did God want to use me and I wasn't there. And I didn't give myself over to be used of God. And uh, maybe I'm just talking about myself, I don't know. But um, God wants to use me to bless others. It's not just giving out the gospel. It could be in a million different ways. And I need to, I need to avail myself uh, to let God just have His way with me and make a giver out of me, more of a giver out of me. 
You know, we do things we never thought of doing before because it's God doing it through us. This, these churches were afflicted and in deep poverty, but they gave joyfully and liberally. And, and <clears throat> that is, it's a, it's a lesson that we need to learn. God wants to work through us. Our hands, our eyes, our feet, our mouth are His. And it's not just giving money, it's giving our time and giving our labor, uh, giving our talents. Whatever we have, our love to Jesus Christ is giving Him our entire lives. Now, turn to Luke chapter 6.38. We're encouraged to give. Luke chapter 6. Verse 38, I'd have you to realize that this isn't just about money, this verse. Not in the least. In fact, the chapter is talking about loving them that don't love you and doing good to them that don't do good to you and lending to them and then having mercy and being thankful. and It's talking about those kind of things. You know, what did Jesus say to the Pharisees? You tithe of your, your anise and your mint but you forego the weightier matters of the law, you know, mercy and judgment. I think God wants us to give away other things, not just our money. You know that. But in verse 38, He says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all shall be measured to you again. Hey, if you love somebody, they'll love you back. You bless somebody, they'll bless you back. You intercede in prayer, they may be interceding for you in prayer. That's giving of yourself to someone. And, they, and it gives, God makes sure it comes back to you. And not financially, but mercy and love, forgiveness, kindness. There are some things we need to give. And they'll come back to us in the same way. Haven't heard a kind word in a while? Try giving a few kind words and see if they don't come back to you. This is not talking about money predominantly. I, I don't believe anyway. But I can tell you this. It's true because I have a coffee jug at home and uh, the big Java packets of coffee, I've told you this before, uh, you can't fit it in unless, you, unless I bang the jar on the counter. And Kathy wants to kill me because it's the only jar we have that's a spring-loaded mason jar. But when I pour all the coffee in, there's still this much in the bottom of the bag. So I just tap that thing. I don't know where that coffee goes. <laughs> But it finds its way and there's more room in the top. And I keep pouring it in and pouring it in. And that's the way God wants to do it. God wants to keep giving and giving and giving and giving. And just keep tamping us down, man. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Here's a familiar verse of Scripture. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 18 Philippians 4.18, But I have all, Paul says, and abound. I'm full. Having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. What does that mean? That means you won't outgive the reservoir. When the water flows out of the reservoir, it's always the same level. According to His riches and glory, you give and meet a need and God will meet your need. And that's exactly what Paul was saying. And if it's in this Bible, I believe it. And I believe it's, it's something that's going to take place in our lives. You can't outgive the reservoir. It's always overflowing. The water is always overflowing out of the reservoir. 
Then you come to tithes and offerings. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 16. Just says in verse 1, Now concerning the collection of for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. Now I believe this is talking about a special offering Paul was taking <clears throat> for some churches that were in deep need. But you notice they did it on the first day of the week. This is when the, the tithes were brought in uh, to, the, to the local church. And uh, you know, we have... Not only our tithes to give, which I believe is only a, a starting place. It's a good principle that, that is woven through the Bible. It's a good starting place for any Christian to give 10% of their money to the Lord and learn that principle and then get on to giving, grace giving, uh, so much more. But uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all tithed uh, before the law, but uh, it's a good place to start. Uh, is to learn to give 10% of your income to God. Anything that you can count as your gross income, 10% of it is God's. It's not even yours to give. God has commanded that we live on the 90%. God has commanded that, and it's holy unto God. Look at Leviticus 27. Leviticus 27. I'm not putting this back under the law. If we give the way we should give, it would be a whole lot more than 10%. Leviticus 27. And in verse 30, it says this about the tithe. And all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It's the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. It's separate for God. It's not mine to give to Him. I, I make sure that I'm living on the 90% you'll do a whole lot better on the 90 than you will on the 100 if you withhold it from God. Under the law, it was required. Under grace, I get to give. You see? I get to give to God. Under the law, it was required. You know what it says in Malachi 3.8. They wanted to know, how could we possibly rob you? But you've robbed me in your tithes and in your offerings. You see? You've robbed me in your tithes and offerings. And uh, some people hoard. Some people hoard their money. There's nothing the matter with saving your money. There's nothing the matter with having a little nest egg. Most people are living in their nest egg in their home. And, uh, you know, being wise with money, there's a lot said in the Bible about money, but don't hoard. Don't think you're going to hold back from God. Especially a child of God. Because like George Mueller said, if you hoard... God will send you to your hoard when you need something. He'll send you back to that little pittance that you've gathered together and held from God. That's where He'll send you. Instead of meeting that need for you, He may teach you a lesson. So don't rob God. You rob God by holding back from, what, from God what is God's. So it's an act of obedience. And it's a great starting point for young Christians. I know about... I know about not having any money to tithe and looking at the bottom line and going, this ain't going to happen. I have more bills than I have money and now you want me to give 10% of that to God? When I became a Christian, uh, I had a lot to say about that until God finally got hold of my heart and, uh, and took, care of, took care of that situation. That's all I can tell you. You can trust God if you do what's right. This is an act of obedience. You'll find yourself giving from the heart and not the head. 
um, when I first got saved, I had some some credit card debt, and uh, I told the youth pa- the youth pastor, the associate pastor, Pastor Harry, back in uh, New Jersey when we were there. I said, Pastor Harry, <laughs> I don't know how to do this. I want to, but I don't know how to do this. I was thinking up here, saying in my head, uh, the bottom line is here, and my bills are way above that. Now you want me to live on, you want me to take 10% of my income out. He said, why don't we just pray about it? And, uh, you know, you can't make somebody tithe, but God, God can, can so impress it upon your heart to trust him. And I did. And within four years, I'm not saying it happened overnight. It took me long enough to get into problems the problems I had before I was saved. Uh, but about four years, I was in the black. I was, a, I was able to give. In fact, if I had told my mates at work what I was giving plus missions, they would have laughed me right out of the room. But you know what? God's been good to me. I don't owe anybody anything. I don't owe anybody anything. And uh, I'm in the black, man. And, uh, and I still... Try to give to God what's God's and a little bit more. And uh, I hope I become more of a giver because I'm not going to outgive God. And uh, if you want to give to missions, just think about every family. I don't know how many families are in this church. I'm going to take a wild guess from way back when I used to be part of the church. 30, 40, 40, 50 families, 40 families. I'm talking about families, members. If they just gave each 5 euro a month towards missions, that's 200 euro. You take on two more missionaries. Anyway... You'll find yourself given from your heart, not your head. Turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9. 3 9 says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Seems like God wants to bless those who honor Him. If we honor God, I think He'll honor us. And uh, it's good to give Him the first fruits, not what we have at the end of the week, and we go, that's, (laughs) you know, put two euro in the box when you're supposed to be given 20 or 30. or uh, Just give to God what's God's and honor Him, you see? The best of all that you have honors God. So in the end you'll find that you have more after you give. Yeah, just have to let go of your wallet. Just have to let go. Now, how to give. How to give. Turn to Mark chapter 12. Chapter 12, the widow, the widow and her two mites. Or chapter 12 and verse 41 says this, And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples. And saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast in more, more in than all they which have cast in the treasury, where all they did cast in of their abundance. But she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all of her living. So what do we see here? Well, 
obviously, there's two different hearts at work here. There's the heart of the rich casting in a lot, but it doesn't affect them one bit. You know, it's like Bill Gates putting a million million dollars or a million euro in, in the bank. It means nothing when you have 86 billion or whatever. It doesn't mean anything to them. You have two different givers, two different kind of givers here, and two different goals. See, the, 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 the widow honored God. She put in all that she had. Now, why was Jesus watching? Why was He watching the people give? Go back to verse 38. And it says, And He said unto them in His doctrine, Beware of the scribes which love to go in long clothing and, and love salutations in the marketplace. See, they're all about the outward. And the chief seats in the synagogues and the uppermost rooms at feasts, which devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers, they, these shall receive greater damnation. See, these, these Pharisees and these scribes, it was all about appearance. It was all about outward look. And there was nothing spiritual about it. There was no care for this widow. It was all a pretense. It was all an act. It was all, it was all fake. It was all an appearance that they were giving so much. But this little widow with her two little pieces of brass dropped into the treasury was a whole lot more than the, all that was given by the rich, you see. And that impressed Jesus. And that's why He rebukes them there in verses 38 through verse 40. You know, takers, people who are takers, are usually noisy givers. They want you to know that they've gave. You know, look what I've done. <laughs> look what I put in. Look what I've done. And, and that's, that's typical of the scribe, you see. They did it for a pretense. That means it was a fake. It was false. It was a show. Look at my long prayer and, and how I you know, uh, take care of this widow. And, no, you're not. It's all a big show. You're, you're, you're devouring her house, her, this widow. You're not helping her one bit. You know, the scribes and the rich give much, but they do it painlessly. It doesn't hurt. It's superficial. And it's constrained. It's calculated, man. But others, like this widow, they give a little, but beyond their means. She didn't have much to give. But she gave everything that she had. And that impressed Jesus. Because it was open. It was from the heart. It was free. It was, there was no restraint upon it. How can we give without doing it so grudgingly? You have to keep the focus of your giving on the giver. The real giver, Jesus Christ. You have to keep your focus heavenward. Keep your focus on God. If you keep your focus on your pocketbook and your own, your own thinking, it's not going to work. So you have to just say, God, I'm giving. I want to give to, to honor you. And God will honor it. We know that He'll honor it. We should be givers because the Bible truths and a new nature. We have the Bible truths and a new nature to carry us through. We have the Spirit of Jesus. We are partakers of the divine nature. So we can do it. You know, a quick summary of two givers. Um, man looks on the outward, right? And God looks on the what? On the heart. <laughs> Can't get my money out of my pocket. <laughs> that doesn't happen all the time, Andrew. Stop laughing. <laughs> it's a heart issue, isn't it? You know, for most of us, if God said, I want 10% of your 10 cents, it's only a... Who cares? It's only one cent. Who cares? It doesn't mean anything to me. And God said... <laughs> oh, you'll get yours. And then God says, well, then I want 
10% of your euro, you see? It's still brass, so it's all right. You can get rid of that too there. That's yours. <laughs> That's the first time she's ever dropped money. I gotta tell you that. <laughs> and then God says, Well, how about ten percent of ten euro? That's a euro. <laughs> now <laughs> this is where it hurts. Then God says, How about a hundred euro? How about five hundred euro? And you know what? We look at this differently, don't we? Start to put value on this. Say, wait a minute. I made 500 euro. And God wants 50 of that? Are you kidding me? I didn't have any 50s to bring. 20 for 200? I made 1,000 euro this month. And God wants 100 of it? I'm already struggling. You see? You know what happened? We put value on that. The penny... They don't even count them now in the store, do they? You don't get your pennies back and you don't pay pennies anymore. Because there's no value to it. But when we put value on something, it becomes harder to give. Do you put value on your life? That's why you won't give it to Jesus. You want to keep it. You want to hold on to it. But if you give the Lord your life, and that is very valuable, you'll find out He'll give back a hundredfold. You'll find out God, you'll never outgive God. You know, R.G. Letourneau was a, a Christian businessman and he built bulldozers and he developed all kind of earth-moving equipment. And he made millions of dollars. And he would tithe to his local church. R.G. Letourneau, you can look him up. And he would give his tithes and offerings to of the church. And um, the, the more he gave, the more God blessed his business. And by the end of his life, R.G. Letourneau was living on the 10% and giving 90% to God. You can't outgive God. Uh, look it up. But, you know, those who give out a plenty, like the rich, the scribes, uh, who Jesus just rebuked, uh, they lack nothing and have nothing and have much left over, you see. They give out of their riches. Uh, they don't really have to depend upon God. Their heart was never really affected by their giving. It was just calculated, cold giving. And they looked for the praise of men. But those who want, who give from want, like this widow, she gave out of her want, the widow gave just two mites, not even half a penny. She was in need and had nothing left over. She had to be dependent upon God. Where are you in your dependence upon God? Look, we live in the Western civilization. Our cupboards are full. And we find it hard sometimes to trust God. But this, this widow had to trust God every day. And her heart was the reason that she gave. She trusted God to provide for her. So I'll ask you, do you think God took care of this widow? I think she, I think she was well taken care of. She had enough. She always had enough. Amen? Now, those with the least give more percentage-wise. You say how to, I'm just saying when we were, when we went to the churches and I, and there's other missionaries here when we went to the churches I mean I've been to churches where there was like less than the amount we have in McCroom and and the and the pastor says we're going down into the basement that's where we hold church it was a church was in his house and the church like that at the end of you giving your your um you know your display and telling them about you want to go to Ireland and be a missionary and they said we'd like to take you on for twenty five dollars brother. And you'd be like, 
we do that? How, you know, you come to this church, and yeah, you drove for four hours to get there, and, and there's 16 people in the church, and half of them are probably his family, but they want to take you on as a missionary. And we've been to a church on a Wednesday night, right, Kat? There must have been 400 to 600 in attendance on a Wednesday evening in South Carolina. And that man, that pastor up there didn't even know I was there. Those people had, not that we're going in there, we're supposed to be lifted up on some kind of pedestal and spun around, but they, he didn't even know we were coming. They, had, they brought out this little rickety table. I could barely get my display on there to, to put up. And uh, nobody stopped to talk. They walked right in. And then they, then they had the service. And then I saw a man go up to the pulpit and hand the pastor a piece of paper. And uh, then he says, Oh, is there a brother Eberly here? Why don't you come on up and pray us out of here, brother? That was it. And yeah, they sent me away with a $100 check, which, thank you. But there, this is a Wednesday evening, and there had to be 400 people in there or more. So how many are there on Sunday morning? Probably 2,000. They, they didn't take us on. Now, not that they wouldn't take on other missionaries, but I felt like there was no heart in that church. They're giving out of their riches. They're not doing it out of their heart. That little church of 16, having church in the basement, they took us on for support, and they support us today. Those who give the, the least give more percentage-wise. You, you, your giving should be according to your trust in the Bible. Your trust in God. And direct dependence upon God. Um, not by how much you have or what you will have left over. Doesn't the Bible say in Ecclesiastes 11.1, 1, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for you shall find it after many days. That means just honor God and put it out there and don't worry, it will come back. God will take care of you. The more you give, the more you're able to give. Why is that? Because God has found a pipe. God's found a channel. Somebody He knows will give His, his riches to someone else who needs it. And I guarantee you, you'll never outgive the reservoir. The Bible, not the Bible, this is Jim Elliott who lost his life down ministering to some Indians. I forget the country now. Is it Ecuador? Nevertheless, him and his mates lost their life there on that beach, trying to trying to win those Indians to to Christ and and uh, get them saved. He's the one that said he is no he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep uh, to gain that which he cannot lose. So in a sense, I guess he's saying to give out. You cannot keep your physical life, and you can't lose eternal life. So why not just give it all to God and let God deal with it? See. God gave you your life. Give it back to Him. And then uh, another way to say it, I've heard it said, that which you hold on to, you could lose or it could be stolen from you. But that which you give away is yours forever. Nobody can take it away from you. You've already given it away. And, and, and you've been a blessing to someone. Let's go to 1 Chronicles 29. Just look at a couple of verses and we'll be done. 1 Chronicles 29 this is the giving of the uh, for the temple. First Chronicles twenty nine. Actually, back in verse chapter twenty eight is where I want to start. Being a willing giver, David's heart was to build the temple. In chapter twenty eight of First Chronicles, in verse two, it says, "Then David the king stood up upon his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people. As for me." I had in mine heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the 
footstool of our God and had made ready for the building. He's already getting it ready. But God said unto me, Thou shalt not build an house for my name, because thou hast been a man of war and hast shed blood. David wanted to give. David found out, though, that he wasn't going to be the one to build the temple. It was going to be a son. This was going to be Solomon's temple. But look in, <clears throat> look in, verse, uh, in verse 3 there. In, verse, in chapter 29, I'm sorry, go to chapter 29, and in verse 3. Moreover, because I have set my affection. Do you see that? It's talking about his heart. It's about the heart. I've set my affection to the house of my God. I have mine own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God, over and above all that I've prepared for the holy house. He says, I've already got my own stuff set aside to give to God. Besides what I've already got prepared for the temple. Okay? So, uh, and look at verse 17. Verse 17 says, I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart, and hast pleasure in uprightness. As for me and my, the, the uprightness of mine heart, I have willingly offered all these things, and now have I seen with joy thy people, which are present here, to offer willingly unto, the, unto thee. David, David gave willingly. And David was a man after God's own heart. And he influenced those people around him. He influenced, first of all, the leaders. Look in verse 6. In verse 6 it says, Then the chief of the fathers and princes of the tribes of Israel and the captains of thousands and of hundreds with the rulers of the king's work offered willingly. Willingly. They were open to giving to the temple. So those in leadership, places of leadership, started to give. And they were following the lead of who? David, their king. And then look at verse 9. Verse 9 says, Then the people rejoiced, for that they offered willingly, because with perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced with great joy. Wouldn't that be something? If that atmosphere was in the church, and every once in a while you hear, Whoa! I just woke him up. Are you alright? I thought you snapped your head back. Anyway, there was this rejoicing, you see. Well, what happened? Somebody must have just put some euros in the box. Somebody would just sit back there tithing, you see, or giving to God. And there was rejoicing. And it encouraged the people, and the people rejoiced. And they were giving willingly. You give back to the Lord and, and what He's blessed you with. Look at verse 14. You're not giving anything that God hasn't already given you. But who am I, and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sword? For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. It's like somebody gives you 100 euro, and you give them back 50 euro. It's out of their own money. It's not something that you're, you're giving someone else's money back. And What do we have that God hasn't given to us? Can you give God what is His already? And then there's our wealth. These verses... These verses simply say that riches take wings and they fly away. You never know. <clears throat> you ever been sitting there reading your Bible or just whatever and all of a sudden the lights go out in the house and you hear something go boop, boop. You know, like, you know the microwave went off. You know, and, and, and there's complete darkness. Like in a moment, it's like your whole life has just changed. <laughs> I only have water. I can't get the boiler to go. And your whole life changes. Or, seriously, the phone rings in the middle of the night. The phone shouldn't ring in the middle of the night, should it? 
And it does. Something's happened more, more often than not. And uh, you never know when your riches are going to run out. If you're counting on the riches instead of God, you never know when they're going to take wings and fly away and be gone. I'd rather trust in God. Become a giver before the riches fly away. And remember, it's true. Uh, Mama said, you can't take it with you. That's true. You can't take it with you. Right? Now, let's finish up. What about eternity? What are you trusting in? Mark 10.23 says, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? The love of money can keep people out of heaven. The love of themselves, pride, the love of their own work of their own hands can keep them out of heaven. God wants to give you a gift. Let go of your false hopes. Let go of religion. Let go of your baptism and your works and all those things cannot get you to heaven. God wants to give you a gift. And Jesus Christ left His riches to become poor. 2 Corinthians 8-9 For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor that ye through His poverty might be rich. There is not one poor saved person in this room. We are rich. We sit in the heavenlies right now with Christ Jesus. That little baby in the manger was the King of Kings. And then He would grow up and He would die on a cross. And that's the only thing that you can trust in in order to get you to heaven. God is the greatest giver of all time. You know the Bible says He gave His only begotten Son. That's giving. What's the most precious gift that you have? Would you give it away? Today, let go of the false hopes and and lay hold on eternal life. Be a receiver of the greatest gift of all. Isn't that what John 1, 11 and 12 tells us? He came unto His own and His own received Him not. They wouldn't receive Him. Jesus wanted to give them eternal life, but they didn't want it. They rejected it. What a shame. If you're here tonight, God wants to give you a gift. Eternal life. There may be somebody here that's not saved. And Christian, be a giver. Because it magnifies the grace and the glory of God in our own lives. You know, this Christmas, why don't we just have a, have a giving Christmas? Give something to Jesus this year. Amen? Let's pray. Holy Father, thank You, Lord, for truths that go right down deep into our hearts, Lord. We have to make a decision. Who are we going to believe? Ourselves or are we going to believe the Bible? Who are we going to trust? Our few euros in the bank? That our house is going to be there all the time and that's our nest egg? Or are we going to trust You? We have to make a decision because that's the only way we'll be able to become a, a giver, a real giver, is that our dependence upon You. Father, change my heart. Give me a giving heart, Lord. And I'll bet you there's others out there and I hope they're saying the same thing. Lord, change my heart. I don't want to be reluctant, measured, calculated, cold. I want to give. And uh, Father, forgive us for when we haven't trusted You. We love You tonight, Lord, and thank You for being our great example of giving Your own life uh, for us on the cross that we might be saved. And this Christmas, Lord, may that be the biggest gift under the tree would be our lives that we give back to You. We love You in Jesus' name. Amen.